Well, good morning. So, uh, hey, we are in a series called On Your Mark, Get Set. And we're talking about preparing. Preparing just like a runner prepares for a race. We're preparing as we go into the building, this new home. And like, what's the difference? And, and in many regards, nothing's the difference, right? We're going to be doing the same ministries and the same things. We're going to be worshiping the same. We're going to be celebrating the same. We're going to be laughing the same and serving the same. But I'm telling you this, there's something about having a home that draws attention. And there will be people coming in and visiting, and God's going to be doing some big things through it. And I'm excited about what he's going to be doing. Look, it's almost like we're restarting. There's going to be a brand new thing going on as we go into our new home, and God's got some big things in store. What are they, Tim? Yeah, I have no idea. You know, how many people are coming, Tim? Yeah, I really have no idea. You know, like, let's just prepare that God's going to be doing some big things, and our hearts have to be ready to serve with all we've got. And all of God's people said, that's what we're talking about, right? This series is about preparing hands and feet and heart to be worshiping and serving Him with all we've got. We started in week one with preparing to serve. Preparing to serve, we walked through Ephesians 4 and how each of us is a gift to the body. If we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, He enables us, He empowers us, He gives us a gift But then he also turns us around and hands us over as a gift to the church. You yourself, the person, a gift to the church that God might continue to grow this place. And and so what's God got you here for? And, you know, we had over 350, I think it was close to 380 new names. There were about 500, 600 names that came in on that through cards and checking boxes saying, I'm interested in serving in an area. And and uh, hopefully you've already gotten that call. If you haven't, I can guarantee it's coming this week. I know we've gotten hundreds of phone calls and emails and connects out there. Uh, so we're excited about putting you in that spot and getting you in a place where you can be serving that God might get the greater glory. All right. Preparing to serve. That was the first first week. The second week was prepare to bless the Lord. <clears throat> prepare to bless the Lord. And we talked about worshiping him, uh, recognizing that everything is his first and foremost, right? Came right out of first Chronicles 28 and 29 with that. Everything you have, Lord, in this world, you loan to us at most. And so anything I have is yours. And, and so the final challenge is, well, then what's it look like to be serving him through giving back? Saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've entrusted me with. Here's back at you. And worshiping as we give. I, I don't know if you noticed, if you look in the bulletin at the giving last week uh, in response, uh, off the charts. Like uh, 60 some, 68,000, I think it was, in general giving, another 25, 30,000 went into uh, the building fund and like 15,000 of new gifts and like just a great response. Here's what I love. Hey, don't ever respond to a human being just saying something. Don't ever do that. Notice I put the word just in there, okay? Don't ever respond to a human being just saying something. But the moment that the word of God is opened up and thus saith the Lord comes out, get ready to respond. You know what I'm saying? And this body truly grasps responding to the challenge of the Lord. I love that. It's a blast to serve with you. Thanks for responding. It's been awesome to be a part of it so far. Last week was prepare to be thankful. 
prepare to be thankful and have a great attitude. And we talked through what it meant to be celebrating. We handed out t-shirts at the end, right? I think we got rid of about 1,400, 1,500 t-shirts into your hands to be wearing and loved seeing them throughout the community this past week. And here they were showing up at the schools all over the place. And uh, hey, I had a guy stop me last night. We were getting ready to go to a band thing. And he was just asking some questions about harvest and where they're at. And ready? When do you start meeting? Did I not tell you? I'm telling you, it, it looks like, oh, maybe they'll start something. 15, 20 people. We'll see what happens, right? And so then the question came up, you know, well, how many of you are meeting down at that hotel where you meet, right? You think hotel and you think hotel room. You know what I'm saying? So what, 10 of you around a bed? That's creepy. You know what I mean? And uh, so like, how many of you are meeting? And like about 1,400. Oh, my word. I had no idea, right? And, and so, hey, the, the t-shirt really does help to rally us together and celebrate what God's doing. But more than that, it also is getting the word out of what God is doing, sharing what he's doing here. Be ready to answer. People will ask questions. Uh, enjoy them. Wear them well. Hey, you got uh, some great opportunities this next week or two or three. Wear them. Wear them well. All right. Uh, that was prepared to be thankful. Little little side note. Uh, I used an illustration last week of uh, be thankful about the uh, the paint colors. I was not implying that I'm not. <laughs> All right, I've had this feedback, and so just so you know, I've heard from a number of you, and no, it's not which color does he not like. I'm I'm great with what's going on. All right, I was asking you to be great with me. Okay, and so for those of you who thought I was being sarcastic. You have a struggle with sarcasm. (laughs) Come join me in it. So do I. I am typically, I use sarcasm a lot, but that's not a moment that I was, all right? So please hear me. I love it. It's looking great, and I'm telling you, next week you're going to be stunned and in awe with what you get to see. Uh, Can't wait for September 16th. And seriously, as Ken said, on Saturday, 2 o'clock, 50 of you, man, I'd love to have you over there getting that cleaned up well, all right? So that'll be a great time. This week, prepare to reach out. Prepare to reach out. That's what we're talking about. And uh, hey, just a little moment, uh, get real here. Uh, This past week, uh, my daughter Alyssa is in the band, and um, uh, she got hit in the head with one of those flags that gets wielded around. Uh, It kind of caught her right across the eye, like she got cold cocked. And uh, it dropped her to a knee. She got up. She tried to keep going. Dropped again. Got up. She played through the rest of the set. She was seeing double vision. We ended up taking her over to the ER. Uh, we did some CT scans and stuff the next day. And, and uh, everything is fine. But I just want to say we're starting about with a prepare to reach out. I really appreciate the emails, the connects, the phone calls, the Facebooks, the texts. Just you guys reaching out in a variety of ways. That was very uh, touching, very real. I appreciate you praying. Uh, God has been doing some good things there. And, and uh, hey, she was wobbling for a couple of days. She got cocked, cold cocked hard, man. This girl was wondering, who said? marching band is not full contact (laughs) all right that's a tough sport and you better be ready for it right so she took one across the eye she's still seeing a little bit of double vision here and there but keep praying for that she's doing real well all right thank you for reaching out Uh, but there's ways to reach out and there's a heart in reaching out and we need to be prepared to reach out and and what's that look like 
Turn with me to Philemon verse 8. Okay, Philemon, it's a book right before Hebrews and James, towards the end of the New Testament, verse 8. We got ushers coming forward, and they've uh, got Bibles in their hands, so they'll be passing those out. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one to you, all right? If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and they'll get one to you. Philemon verse 8. How do we reach out? First, lovingly, make disciples as you include and care for those around you. Make disciples as you include and care for those around you, lovingly. It has to do with a heart in this, all right? So he starts out, verse 8, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ, Jesus. Paul, he's, he's writing to Philemon and he's getting to the crux of what he's really writing about in this letter. It's a short letter, right? It's one chapter, 25 verses, and then he wants to make clear what he's going after pretty quickly. Last week we looked at the first seven verses, which had a lot of thank yous in it and a lot of positive thinking, a lot of an appreciation and encouragement. This week is a bit of a challenge. He starts out accordingly. In many of your passages or versions, it might say, therefore, right? This is one of those connecting words, and it's connecting the prior to the current. And, and he's saying, because of my joy for you and all that God's doing in you, because I'm in awe of how God's been working in you and your heart for him, because of that, I just want to let you know, and he goes on here, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Okay, what, what Paul's addressing is two parts here. Though I am bold enough and commanding, all right? So bold enough. Like, I am not afraid to put the law down and tell you what's needed to be done. Right? He's saying, look, commanding, sometimes it's needed, and I'm not afraid to do that. Uh, but more than that, he's saying, and by the way, you are getting a letter from one of the apostles of all apostles. Like, I'm sitting over the breadth of these church plants, and, and I have huge authority in the church, and... Hey, man, I have the right to command you, and I have the ability to command you, and I don't have any fear from holding me back from commanding you, but I want you to know I'm not commanding you. I'm asking for something else. He said, I could command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. For love's sake. Look, my heart is that your heart would be stirred here. Not that you would just get something done, but that your heart would be grown and displaying that growth in the process. My heart is for your heart, for love's sake. I prefer to appeal to you. Appeal, it's like asking, requesting. Paul is shepherding here. He's leading with a hope and a gentleness. He's not demanding and dictating and commanding. He's asking and he's leading and he's shepherding. This is what I'm hoping for you. And then Paul says, hey, let's be real. Let me tell you who I really am. Like, you want to talk apostle and all the authority? That's fine. That's one side of me. Here's the other side of me. I'm old. And, and I'm in prison. Are you hearing me? There's need here. Right? That's what he's saying. I, I'm sitting here as an old man in prison with the dripping water in the corner of the room and the terrible, terrible accommodations. And I'm telling you, it's, it's not a good spot to be. And I'm in need. And please, may your heart be stirred 
to see it as God sees it. See what's going on, see what's needed, and may your heart respond accordingly. All right? That's what Paul's request here is. May your heart be stirred. Lovingly responding. Don't do it because I've commanded you. Do it because you love me, because you love the Lord, because you love to see his work take place. He says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. For my child, Onesimus. Paul had a baby. What do we mean by child? What's going on here? This is a metaphor, okay? He says, for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. He's saying, look, I was here when Onesimus accepted Christ. We're going to find out in a little bit. He's a slave. He's on the run. Onesimus, he's taken off. And he's headed in a direction he shouldn't. He's been disrespectful to his owner. He's blitzed away from God and anything God would be asking him to. And in the middle of it, he ran headlong right into Paul. And Paul, sitting in prison for Christ, says, Seriously? You're going to talk to me about how tough it might be to do the right thing, Onesimus? And he starts walking through with him what it looks like to follow God Almighty no matter what. And Onesimus turns 180. He accepts Christ as Savior. He is now Paul's child. Paul says, I'm like his father. I'm taking care of him. I'm discipling him. I'm seeing this man grow in Christ. And we don't know all the details of how it came down, but I'm telling you, I can't imagine those first meetings and the authority with which Paul spoke of how patient you must be as God works, even though you don't get it. Watch the handiwork. God's doing something huge, and you trust in me. It's an amazing moment for Onesimus, and he trusts Christ because of it. He says, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now he goes on to describe it a little bit. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Hey, if we don't know the original language and we read that, we're like, wow, those are kind of forceful words. Uh, but I guess he's making a point about how, you know, now that he's saved, he's helpful. You know, but it's more than that. The word Onesimus, the name Onesimus, it literally means useful. Okay, that's what it literally means. And so he's saying, I'm telling, he's play on words here, right? He's like, he used to be useless. That was a good one, wasn't it, right? And whoever was penning it for him is like, nice one, Paul. You know what I mean? Writes it down. And, but now he's useful. He's using the name of Onesimus, and he's saying, I'm telling you, Onesimus is truly Onesimus now. That's what I'm telling you, useful for the kingdom. I'm in awe of what God's doing with this young one. Now he is indeed useful to you and to me. He's brought me great joy right where I am in imprisonment. God's using him. Here's what I love about the storyline. This is a moment where Paul is recognizing that God does great things in the broken. Are you hearing it? He's seeing somebody who uh, went the wrong direction, who who chose bad things, who, who made choices that were clearly off the charts wrong, and yet God's restoring him to a position of usefulness for his kingdom, for his glory. That's the ministry of the church. 
That's the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives, that we might be rocked where we stand. And as we independently, defiantly head our own way, we come headlong into a brick wall and we're done with that. We turn and we're heading back towards him with joy and passion, with hope and energy, with excitement that God might be glorified and usefulness in our lives. That's what we're talking about. That God might get the greater glory. Lovingly caring for those around you. Reaching out and seeing them come to Christ. Seeing them become a great value and an awesome testimony of God and His power. You know, this past week, uh, I was looking up some things on the web and saw a blog from uh, an old friend, pastor. And uh, he's getting caught up in some things um, that you've probably heard this word around. Have you heard the word missional? Have you heard that word? Give me a head nod. Have you heard the word missional? Okay. You can nod this way too. I don't care. But have you heard the word missional? All right. So missional, it means this. It means reaching out to those human beings around you. Uh, It means caring for them in a way that says you're loved. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, what missional has also come to mean is period. Like that's it. A humanitarian endeavor and we're done. And, and, and so be careful. That's not the definition of missional. And this guy was trying to make that clear. It's for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's that they might be lifted up to know him. I'm telling you, you don't just reach out to physical needs. You reach out to physical needs that praise God in his timing. You have a chance to share the gospel and see people come to know him as savior. It is all about him glorified and him worshiped. Now that's Missional. If you don't get it back to Jesus Christ, him crucified, him worshipped and glorified now, risen and, and king of kings and lord of lords, you're not missional. Uh, amen? Yeah, that's a good place for an amen. I'm telling you, that's biblical missionality, all right? Going after it with all you got. Him worshipped with everything. Well, missional today has often come to mean just humanitarian, care for the needs, all right? And I, and I just want to tell you, uh, that is not where we're at. That's not where Scripture's at. And uh, in fact, if you just declare people to be missional, well, it becomes pretty mechanical very fast. You know what I'm saying? Hey, just go out and care for some needs. Right. And all of a sudden you're out there handing out something, whatever it is, in some way, keeping them warm or fed or something. But all you're doing is giving it out and you really start checking a list on. I must be pretty good. I did a lot this week for Christ and whoo, my, my little checklist of goodness is long this week. And and we start thinking high of my own works and we're trying to earn something. All of a sudden we're falling into it backwards. Be very, very careful. Uh, so what scripture say about it? First uh, John chapter four. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but we looked through first John last year in the fall. First John four, seven and eight says, hey, if you love God, you're going to love others. And I'm telling you, if you love the Lord, your God, it's going to just be pouring into you and you're going to be filling up and it'll just spill over to the streets and and a love for others and a missional call. I, I think the better call. Is just love him. Love the Lord your God. The end result will be missionality. Like if you call people to a missional call, you're calling them to a symptom fix. 
Are you hearing it? The symptom is I'm not reaching out to people. The source is I'm not loving the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And the more I'm all about Him, the more it'll pour into me and God touching me and changing me, the more I'm learning from Him and the more it just starts pouring into the streets. And, and it's not that it's not mentioned, but it's that when you bring it up, the body's like, awesome, I'm in. I love Him so much. Let's go. And the more we have to preach missionality, the more we're missing that we probably need to preach love the Lord your God with our heart and soul and mind and watch him just change your heart towards people. Hey, we need to be loving those around us. It's an end result of God loving you and you loving him. If you're in a, I don't care about other people, be private about that. You don't have to like raise your hand right now. But if you're in the, I don't care about other people right now. And well, I'm telling you right now, you're walling off God working in your life. That's fact. If you love God, you will love your brother. In fact, 1 John 4 goes on to say in verse 20, if you say that you love God, but you hate your brother, get ready, harsh word he puts to it, that's a liar. There's no way that's possible. That's what John was saying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Let God pour into you and shape your heart, and you watch it just pour over into those around you as you love on them with all you've got. So here's my question. Are you ready to love those around you? Are you ready to include those around you? Are you ready to put God first, let him pour into you and start saying, Lord, I'm ready to include with all I've got. Think about it for a second. Make sure you got the real answer of your heart. Now I'm going to ask for a verbal answer. Get ready to verbally respond. Are you ready to include those around you? Are you ready to handle new people coming into this body each and every week? We're probably running 50 visitors a week right now. Are you ready to put your arms around new people looking for a face you don't know and hand out your name and include them? Are you ready? It's time for us to passionately, purposefully, for the Lord's glory, be ready to reach out to those around us and say, Hey, I haven't met you before. My name's Tim, and and what's your name? And and well, how long have you been coming to Harvest? Remember, don't ever ask, is this your first week? Don't ask that question. Because they're going to be like, no, I've been coming here a year. Don't ask that question. Ask that, how long have you been coming to Harvest? And, and just see what God unfolds as you talk with those around you. Include them. Care for them. That's the basics. Beyond that, when there's physical needs, when there's emotional hurts, reaching in, giving them a special phone call, email, caring for them as you reach out and bring physical care. Be ready for God to stir in you a way to care for this body. Again, I ask, are you ready to lovingly care for those coming into this body? Are you ready? All right. May God be honored and blessed as this body cares for those he brings to the church. Okay? That's number one. Lovingly make disciples. Number two. Willingly, willingly enjoy a true passion for building worshipers. Enjoy a true passion for building worshipers. All right? We're going to start here in verse 12. He says, I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very heart. Now, I read this when I first was going through it. I'm like, okay, so he really cares for Onesimus. Move on. And then I started thinking of the storyline that must have gone on here. 
And I looked up a little bit of history, and, and it's pretty stunning here. Think about this. I am sending him to you, back to you. I'm sending my very heart. Onesimus is a slave. Onesimus is a runaway slave. Uh, that means by Roman law, we're talking either death or some pretty severe whipping and treatment when he gets back there. You don't ever run away from your master. Okay, and so Onesimus, by being sent back, is being sent back to some grievous experiences, some tough challenges, potentially. It's possible that his master would have some other approach of forgiveness, but it's always the master has every right to even go as far as taking his life. This is a huge moment as Paul is sending him back. Can you imagine the talk between Paul and Onesimus when he's like, hey, Onesimus, come here. I've been praying. And I feel like it's time for you to go back. And Onesimus like, what? Are you joking? Well, look what we're accomplishing for the kingdom. And do you know what's coming? And are you sure that was God talking? And maybe, maybe it's the bad prison food. Come on. Seriously, you want me to go back there and... I'm serious. I've been praying this through and I'm serious. I think you need to go back to represent who Christ is, to show the change that can happen in a man's soul. I think God's got something huge in store for you as you go back. And and I don't know everything that's coming. I'll tell you this, though. I'm going to write a letter and I'm sending it along with who you are and what's going on. And I want them to hear from my heart what's happening. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very heart. Are you hearing it? You watch what you do with this man. This guy means everything to me. And I want you to care for him with all you've got. This is my very son. I've seen him come to Christ. I know his love for the Lord. I need you to see him as my very heart. Hear me on this, Philemon. Your love and your understanding of where I'm at, please understand my passion for this one as well and see him in light of that, not in light of the world's law. Are you hearing it? Wake up call to what he's calling him to act like. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Hey, I'd love to keep this guy with me. He's doing great. I'm not sending him back to you because he's nothing but a runaway slave who's worthless. And I'm like, get out of here. Go back to your master. That's not what's going on. I'm sending him back to you saying, this guy's got it going on. You need to meet who he is today and watch Christ at work in your body. Wake up call for us. How many people do we see come into our body where we start thinking who they were? not who they are and who they can be. Our job within this church, if we're going to be reaching out, is who are they and who can they be? And I don't care where you've been. We're going to work through that and restore, and that's the end of it. And all of God's people said, hey, restoration, man. It's all about getting them plugged into the greatness of Jesus Christ. May we introduce them to him. Now, hear me. It's not. And if you refuse to say, I'm sorry, and if you refuse to repent, and if you're going to be the same person, it doesn't matter. We're just going to treat you as if you didn't. It's not that. 
Onesimus did repent. He's turning. He's running back to Christ with all he's got. And the church is rallying around him. That's who we need to be in this place and in this body. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't care what you've been through. So here's my request. Are you the person who is saying, I think I'm more like Onesimus. I think I've been running from God and I think I've been doing some things and I think it's been blowing up my relationship with God and I am not where I need to be. It's done today. Are you ready to say, I'm handing over to you, Lord? I want to do the Onesimus thing. I want to turn on a dime and repent and be running to you with all I've got. You're the God who offered your very soul and life on that cross. You bared it all. Your blood shed for me. You are now king of kings, the Lord of lords, who has offered me forgiveness. Wow. Lord, please forgive me. I'm yours. Man, if that's you today, right here, right now, celebrate that God is so willing in the moment to forgive and to bring you home. Make him your Lord and your King today. Ask for forgiveness. Trust in him with all you got. That God might get the greater glory. You might say, well, I don't really identify as much with Onesimus. I identify more with Philemon. I got a friend. I got a family member. I've got a spouse. I've got a child. I've got this, this guy at work and, and woo, living in a wrong spot and they're, they're on their way back in and I'm just not sure. I think I want to maybe bring a little punishment and eat with that instead of forgiveness. And listen to me. We serve a God of forgiveness and a God of reconciliation. Let's be ready with all we've got to embrace with open arms, to weep with them tears of joy, and call them our very hearts. That's what it looks like to live the gospel. Great time for an amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, that's what we need to be all about. Let's live that with all we have. He says, I could keep them on my behalf. It'd be wonderful, no problem. Verse 14, but... I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Look, I want this to be of your own accord, and so I'm not going to do anything without you approving it. You ever heard the world statement? Uh, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? How often have you heard that at work? Right? 17 years in the workforce. I know what I'm talking about. I've heard it a ton. Don't go asking him. They're just going to say no. And then it's going to take that much longer to convince him you were right. Just go do it. And afterwards, when it works, you can say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't do what you wanted. But at least it worked. You know what I mean? It's always meant to have that little thing on the backside. And uh, let's be careful. That really isn't the heart of a gospel is just get it right. See, that's all about putting the task and the rightness first. But the gospel message is about heart first. And it is about asking permission. And it is about working with consent. And it is about sharing the load with. And if they're not ready to bend, then you take more time with. And, and the church is not about looking at their watch. The church is about spending time to see hearts transformed. And so he says, look, I'm trusting in you. And it's with your consent that I want this to happen. Notice the reference was to, I'd love to have him with me. I think the implied here is that Paul is saying, send him back. Come on, man, make him just have to be a little upset that he had to walk the road twice. 
That's what really should be happening. Onesimus should be coming back to prison, knocking on the door. And Paul's like, hey, good to see you. And he's like, whatever. Twice I had to walk that thing. Do you understand that? And Paul's like, good to have you with us with their consent. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about. That Onesimus and Paul would be connected again through Philemon's understanding and forgiveness that God might get the greater glory. Notice it says, not by compulsion, but of your own accord. That means heart spilling over, tons of love, forgiveness, gratitude, your heart on fire for Jesus Christ. You're excited about what he's doing in your slave and you're releasing him to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and saying, anything I have is God's. I'm handing him over to you, Lord, that you might get the greater glory. That's the call. May we, as we work with one another, truly be in that viewpoint of life. Any friend, any connection, any hook that we've got, that God might get the greater glory. If we are called to release them, then we release them. If we're called to see him go out. I mean, how hard is it to send out to a church plant, right? And we're sending dear friends away to Harvest Denver, to other places in the area. And, and we see people leaving to go start ministries and thrive and grow there. And, and we connect through the phone. Praise God, we have technology that can allow us to do that. But it can be hard to send friends out for the glory of God. How much harder when that person is viewed as your possession, a slave, right? And this guy's working through what that means now that he's a believer to really have possessions of human beings and working through all that. Control. It'll be the opposite of willingness. It'll be what kills your willingness. And when am I not willing to just be reaching out? It's when I'd rather have control of the circumstance and the situation, okay? So I just wanted to throw this in here. Top four reasons we control. Top four reasons you're going to be like, no thanks to the willingness heart thing, okay? Number one, fear. What if? And those are two deadly words, aren't they? I mean, you can roll around at night and toss and turn and what if? But what if this happens and what if that happens? And it can tear us up and we must trust that there is a sovereign God in control of this universe. He's at work and we are putting into his hands the very person and lives and situation. And Lord, we're trusting you. And that takes what if and knocks it out. You know what I'm saying? What if? That's a fear problem and it's going to make you control. Number two, if it's not fear, it can often be selfishness. Hey, the outcome has to benefit me. The outcome has to benefit me. Uh, if I'm not benefited, then then who really cares what's going on? And, and selfishness, it can make us control a circumstance big time. Number three, not just fear or selfishness, but going one step further with the selfishness, just unloving. Others are now meant to be just a means to an end. Unloving, where we make others a means to an end. Like, I don't really care what happens to you. In fact, I just see you as a pawn to be used to get what I want. You're like, that sounds terribly harsh. But I'm telling you, anytime you go into a circumstance or situation not thinking, what about the other person? You're doing that. It's a big deal for us to be very cautious about what happens to the other party. And what about them in this situation? What's it mean for them? And are we growing and shaping their heart? Are they being one for Christ? And don't be a user. 
Instead, be a willing, loving, caring person. So fear, selfishness, unloving, and the fourth one is just raw pride. My way is always the best way. It's going to cause you to control. Uh, hey, I have an idea too. Yeah, whatever. If it's not my way, it's not the right way. Right? Pride. Uh, or, you know, you're talking it through and they're like, you're right. That is a great idea. So then they switch and they're like, I agree with that. That's the way to go. And now my way is the best way. You hear the subtlety? I changed my plan. I agree with you. I don't give you credit. I give me credit again. Pride. Be very careful. Every one of these makes you control a circumstance and a person. Every one of these makes you take over in harsh ways. Hey, I, I have a great joy in seeing not just the task done, but a passion in the midst of it. That's what we're supposed to have from this. That's what we're supposed to get out of it. You know, last week as we handed out T-shirts and throughout the week as I saw T-shirts being worn all over the place, I'm telling you, it's a blast to see you guys laughing and high-fiving and wearing the shirts and representing well and having a passion for Jesus Christ and sharing what he's doing in this place that God might get the greater glory. You know, this week is Pumpkin Festival. Uh, 50,000 people, on average, they say, come to the Pumpkin Festival in Morton. Uh, maybe you should be 50,001 and show up green. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wear your shirt. And let's represent what God's doing and be there on any variety of nights. And I'm probably going to be there pretty much every night if I can be. And we got one night, we got a conflict. But I'm going to try to be there every night for at least a little bit and be there and wear your green and high five the other people you're sharing green. Make sure they're wearing the green that says grand opening. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, we were going to choose orange and I'm really glad we didn't. Man, is orange like the in color this year. I'm seeing orange t-shirts all over the place. So this is a great shirt. Hey, last night we were standing there. I told you we were standing, uh, getting ready to uh, see the band, the band off. And a guy saw a shirt and asked about it and started asking questions. And we ended up talking for a good probably 10 minutes, right? Good 10 minutes as he just had a ton of questions about what's going on at Harvest and what things are taking place. Had no idea. I'm the senior pastor. He's just like, you know, at one point it became, so how long have you been going to Harvest? I said four years. <laughs> That's a real answer, you know. So we just keep talking a little bit longer. And then he started asking, you know, you seem to uh, know a little bit more about what's going on with the backside of stuff. How's that? And I said, well, I'm, I'm the senior pastor. Oh, okay, I got it now. <laughs> so then he invited his wife over, and we started talking a little bit more. And uh, But it's good. Wear the shirt. Be ready to represent. Answer a few questions about when we're going in, the first part of November, and over at Pinecrest in 74. And are you already meeting? The answer to that is... Please, yes, right? My word, yes. We're on fire meeting, and God's doing a huge thing. And did they really think we built a 57,000-square-foot building with, like, 40 people? And we're like, let's give it a shot. (laughs) I mean, is that crazy or what? I don't know. Willingly reaching out, excited to see worshipers for Jesus Christ. Hey, our next step, it's not just wearing the t-shirt and representing. It's, Lord, may we reach out to the people around us and see true, passionate worshipers for you. Who, Lord? Where, Lord? When, Lord? Like, what family do you want me reaching out to? And in what way do you want me to do that? And, hey, here's a request. Uh, Ten minutes before, ten minutes after the service, take some time to get to know other people. Reach out. Shake a hand. Uh, well, I'm kind of new here. I've been here four or five weeks. You'd be amazed how many people sitting around you are saying, I'm kind of new here. I've been here three weeks. And as the two of you cross paths, you're like, I'm not saying hi. I'm the new guy. 
and the new guy walks past the new guy and I'm telling you, just reach out, okay? It's a better plan. Don't do the, I'm going to wait for so, so long a period of time and then just shake a hand. Just, I know it's a little uncomfortable and I'm an introvert. I'm not real comfortable with it. I get that, okay? And, and so, you know who else is an introvert? Like I am too. I get that. And so face that and get ready to say, deep breath, here we go, okay? And, and I'm just going to meet one family, and we're going to introduce around, and, and God bless you, and, and be praying for them. And good plan is maybe meet them right where you're sitting, because chances are you're going to be sitting near them next week, creatures of habit, right? And so just try to reach out a little bit and get to know each other, lovingly, willingly connecting and reaching out, all right? And third one, vertically. Expectantly work with others. For the Lord's honor and praise. Vertically, expectantly work with others for the Lord's honor and praise. Verse 15. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave. I love this. Uh, Hear me. Uh, This is Paul saying, I am an apostle. I am in direct connection with the Lord. And if I were to give you a statement of this is what God's doing or a little more strongly, the Lord told me that this is what's happening. He he parted from you so that he could come back saved so that there'd be greater things happening. And I think Paul would probably have a privilege of saying the Lord told me. God was telling him a lot of things. He was penning things that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. God's speaking to him very powerfully. And Paul says... Perhaps, perhaps this is what's happening. Man, I love the humbleness in that. Uh, if there's anything to learn out of this passage on this piece, it's take advantage of saying perhaps. It's a weird word. Say it like five times. You'll be like, wow, that is a weird word. Just go ahead and say the word with me a few times here. Ready? Three in a row. Here we go. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Now, when you say the word perhaps tomorrow, they're going to be like, dude, what are you from the 1800s? Perhaps. It's a word that means, I'm not even sure if it's true, but maybe, let me pose something. Okay, and a very strong way of saying, look, I've got some biblical insight here, and I'm thinking I might know what God's doing. And and Paul's like, you know, the guy left you, he got saved, and now I'm sending him back to you. Duh. I don't think it takes much to figure out, perhaps God's doing something here. You know what I'm saying? And And so he says, I just want to think this through with you. Maybe God's really doing something huge. That you might have somebody useful for a lifetime. Praise God for what he's doing. Don't punish him for what happened. Great things have happened here and let's work through forgiveness. Let's let this guy grow where he's at. Perhaps not the Lord told me. You know what I'm saying? He says, uh, but he's more than a slave. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Beloved brother, and here's the switch, used to be just some guy, slave, rejecting Christ, rejecting man, rejecting authority, now brother. Like in the family, trusting Christ, and may we reach out to those around us because they're family. May we see those coming in who know Jesus Christ as Savior and be wrestling with something. We're not looking at them and seeing the sin and the wrestle. We're seeing family. God, what are you doing in this place? And what do you want me to be doing? And may I be your hands and feet in the flesh and in the Lord. 
And man, those last few words are huge. In the Lord. That's vertical. May God be glorified. As we reach out, as we look to care for the person next to us, it's not to make a good club. It's not because, well, people might stick if we do that. It's because God's called us to a task in the Lord. And I'm telling you this, uh, Hebrews 13, 17, not going to do the first part. Second part, we as pastors are responsible before God Almighty to actually give account for what happens to the shepherding in this body. Help us to love on them. And I'm telling you, if God's put you in a place of shepherding, if he's walked somebody into your life, he's saying, help me shepherd them and love on them. We all give account saying, Lord, we hear you. We know you're building worshipers. We're on fire for your name. May you get the greater glory. You are unbelievably stunning and glorious. And may this one now be introduced to you. Praise be to God. That's what it looks like to do it in the Lord. Vertically, it means in the Lord. It means reaching out and saying, hi, my name's Tim. In the Lord. It means being willing to say hello to them and care for them. Invite them over to your house. How? In the Lord. Bigger. How? In the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. In the Lord. It means vertically focused, caring for those around you. God, pour into me that I might care for those around me. How? That's what we're talking about in the Lord, that God might get the glory in all things. May he get the glory in all things. May he be our ultimate purpose. As we care for those around us, we're building worshipers for the kingdom, for eternity, that those we know who might be struggling with uselessness, lost in sin, end up being called useful for eternity. That's God's plan. And all of God's people said, let's pray.